Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarel. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick, and Jeff Lasseter. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com, or on Facebook, Twitter, or X, whatever it's called, Instagram, our handles, Critics Pod. Uh, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, listen to us there. Subscribe there. But please go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show, rate and review the show. It does help us uh, get noticed. Patreon.com slash CriticsPod is the best way to help support the podcast. And then we have our TeePublic page over at TeePublic.com, search CriticsPod, or go to IHateCritics.net and click on the TeePublic link. Uh, Sean, where can people get your uh, movie reviews? The archive blog is at Sean at the movies at blogspot.com with the uh, past 20 years worth of reviews. And then uh, the more modern stuff is at uh, geeks.media and horror.media, uh, where you can find uh, the latest entry in my book project, Horror in the 90s, uh, which is on Gremlins 2. And Jeff, tell us what you got going on as well as your links. Uh, you can find my artwork at jefflasser.com. That's got my links to my Etsy and my T Public and. Uh, my, I think my Instagram is on there. Um, anyway, uh, if you're in the Quad Cities area this weekend uh, at the Bend Saturday, I think starting at 6 o'clock is when the Spenders will be there, but they're going to show the Monster Squad uh, outdoors on Saturday night at the Bend in East Moline, Illinois. So if you're in the area, come out, check it out. Uh, come and see me. I'll have lots and lots of artwork. Um yeah, I'll be doing uh, Planet Funk Con at the end of August in Davenport, Iowa. And then uh, the Quad City Toy Show in September, along with Midwest Monster Fest. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually doing a lot of stuff in the Quad City area for a change, which normally I'm in Chicago or Ottumwa, Des Moines, that kind of stuff. So, I just bought some of Jeff's art, uh, a, a picture of Pedro Pascal with the... <laughs> With the label, <laughs> I will po- I will post that to our Facebook page. So everybody knows just exactly how you're not how a lot of that at the moment is. is I have better. four left, and I have a ton of stickers. So <laughs> it's the most commented upon thing. I, I actually I bought it right before I went into Oppenheimer, and I was carrying it around the movie theater, and literally everyone <laughs> was asking me how I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in and uh, I had it, and one of the ladies behind the counter goes, "Oh my god, where did you get that?" I said, "I drew it." She goes, <gasps> "So I gave her my car, or she she actually scanned my car. I have a one of my cards on the back of my phone and, that has the uh, QR code on it, and she was just like, "I'm going to buy one." She still hasn't, so <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, not her not buying it, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I will I, I will post it on our Facebook page. All right, awesome. But be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms. There are some changes coming to the podcast, so uh hopefully the next few months will be exciting for everybody. Uh let's start with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem uh from Seth Rogen and uh Evan I can't remember Evan Goldberg, Goldberg. Uh, the the uh, the uh, partners there, and of course uh, Jeff Rowe 
uh, the director and co-writer on this. And usually when I see there are like five writers on a project, I'm a little bit wary, like it's not going to be very good. But there's something about this movie where you can sense where all of these guys were throwing out ideas and really enjoying putting these ideas together. And uh, you don't often see that when you have this many screenwriters. Usually it's a bitter situation where like somebody got rewrote but they still have to be credited on the movie you don't get that sense you don't sense any bitterness watching this movie you sense uh, a group of people who really love this product teenage mutant ninja turtles and they want to do it uh to the best of their abilities by taking these teenage mutant ninja turtles and making them actual teenagers who talk like actual teenagers and act like actual teenagers and that element really works and then they find this really poignant arc for them about, you know, it's always been kind of in, in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle universe, them wanting to find acceptance in the human world and, and be part of it, but they really underline that here in some lovely little story choices that they make uh, in the relationship to April O'Neil, who's also a teenager in this version, and <laughs> just, I kind of sidelight how there, there are people who are upset about the changes to April O'Neil. And apparently it's just a lot of a lot of guys are really upset that they don't find her fuckable anymore, which I just find absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it's just very funny. That, that, that's that the main meant, problem men have with women in movies, I think. <laughs> she's got to be in defined general. as fuckable. Oh, yeah. She's, animate, she's a fictional animated character, but she must be something I could fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no. She's a she's just a teenager in this one, so no, you don't 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 do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, I mean, you're talking you are talking about the guys who would probably be fine with that. Um, <laughs> I I this movie's terrific. The animation is gorgeous. It's reminiscent, not the not same, but reminiscent of what uh, they did with Spider Man into the Spider Verse. It's got a it's got its own unique look the it's got kind of a rough edges on all the characters which is really great it it looks just distinct but not distractingly so which i really liked Uh, i i loved the way they brought these turtle characters to life jackie chan is tremendous as uh, as splinter does a terrific voice performance and they did a wonderful job of underlining you know his relationship to the turtles the they call him dad uh, as, instead of Master Splinter, which is you know it, it's a it's a slight change, but it, it underlines you know the importance of the of that relationship. Uh, it's a really really solid, really good movie. I think part of my if I have any hesitation, it's because it's just here's another sorry, here's another uh, take on this you know famous IP that is done mostly by a co- corporation looking to make money. But that's going to be anything you deal with. You just have to kind of accept that in part in this day and age. Did you go see it, Jeff? I saw part of it. Um, so I was just like, I just kind of popped in after uh, I went to see Meg 2. Um, and I, the animation was great. Voice acting was great. Um, I, I, if I had had time, I would have gone and actually watched the entire thing just because, just to see the animation. So I'm, I'm suddenly into animation, which I never was uh, as an adult. Um, mm-hmm. And I, th- I think the Spider-Verse movies have a lot to do with that. Uh, but I appreciate the fact that it's a newer take and, you know, not everything is um, 
it's not just another like a live action remake of that Michael Bay one that just looks so disturbing. Right. Garbage. So. Absolutely garbage. But then everything Michael Bay touches is garbage. <laughs> I think he touched something else so. other than garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that the uh, the animation I I would probably see it. So I didn't go see it surprisingly. Obviously, I have an eleven year old who wanted to see it. It was but my with my daughter's birthday weekend and it was like uh didn't we didn't have it in the cards to get to the theater for that, uh or Meg too, he would she would have seen both of those. Uh but I, I think it looks really, really just neat and good. I mean, Spider Man also is an IP, you know, like Sean said. And they just did something fun with it. And not just fun, but artistic and just creative. Uh, yeah. And this looks to be similar. So uh, I'm bummed I didn't get to see it, but I definitely will be seeing it eventually. It, it's a it's a nice sort of trend, because uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the show about famous about these IPs that are you know corporately held that uh, you know we're tired of seeing, but. You know, with this, with Spider-Verse, even with Barbie, these well-known IPs being handed over to creative teams that really care about making the making something good. I didn't see Mario. Maybe that could be in this category as well. Yeah. Uh, but people who are taking good care with uh, familiar properties and, and taking an interest in making them good, that, that's a... That's a nice trend. It's a, it's not to say that we're responsible for it anyway, but just that we've talked about it a lot. Uh, how this, how so much of this is just churned out nonsense. But you can go back to like even Top Gun Maverick taking a, a something that was familiar and making it really, really good. Uh, that's a that's a nice little trend. Yeah, but as studios keep losing money or not making as much money as they want to make, I suppose is a better phrase. Uh, <clears throat> they'll start cheapening it up like they do every other trend. Unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> or they'll bring in somebody then they'll just tie their hands and not let them do what they're supposed to do but anyway it's I'm glad this is good and I look forward to seeing it uh, yeah, give things to people who are passionate about them you know good or bad at least there's passion behind it as opposed to just you know Bob Iger I mean, that's why a movie like The Room, which everybody calls the worst movie of all time, but the reason it's so we go back to it is because he was passionate about it when he made it. <laughs> you know, th- that goes a long way. <laughs> There's a lot of I shitty talk- movies we forget about. I talk about that all the time, the <clears throat> poignance of, of great failure. Like, that's my favorite thing about that movie, Troll 2, Children of the Corn 2, like these movies that are you can tell everybody was really excited and then they just failed so poignantly <laughs> at their goal that it makes it, it makes it something you have to appreciate. Uh, this may be a somewhat short episode, everybody, but we'll do our best. <laughs> the Meg two, or maybe let's wait on the Meg two. Let's do dream and wild. Dreamin' Wild is based on a true story from 1978 and 2008. It's the same story, but it it, it bubbled up for it bubbled back up in 2008, but it initiated in 1978 where these two brothers, the Emersons, they made a record called Dreamin' Wild. And it looked like one of them, uh the younger bro- brother was going to be 
uh, a rock star. Like he had a real shot at creating something. He got a record deal. He moved to Los Angeles. It looked good. And then it didn't happen. It didn't work out for him. And the record fell into obscurity and, and uh, went away for a long time. Then a guy in Montana walked into a record store in, in 2008 and picked up this record, Dreamin' Wild, and listened to it and was like, this is amazing. I've got to get this in front of more people. So he started, you know, preaching about it everywhere he could, telling people about how amazing this record was. And he brought it to a record company in Oregon who then set about finding the Emersons, who uh, the the younger brother was working, running his own uh, uh, music studio in, in Oregon. His older brother was nearly impossible to find living in, a, you know, in the forest on a farm near his parents, so also hard to find. But he managed to track them down. Uh, Chris Messina plays that character in the movie, and they set about bringing them back and giving them this new opportunity to uh, put this record back out and get themselves back out there. And it's a, it's a pretty amazing story, incredibly well told. This is Bill Polad, uh, the director of of, uh, of the Brian Wilson movie with uh, Paul Dano and John Cusack a few years ago, which was an incredible film. Uh, and and he's done another one here where he's taken he's taken the passion of making music and communicated it brilliantly through the the medium of film. He's you know the 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 acting is incredible. He's got Casey Affleck and Walton Goggins as the brothers, uh, Zoe Deschanel as his wife. Shut up, Jeff. Uh, the and and they're all really really terrific performances. They all really work well together. And but it's that story. It's how unusual this story is, and it's so grounded in this. In these feelings of of guilt and resentment, and there's you know, a number of reasons why uh, the Emersons didn't work out, and especially the younger brother who was going to be who was the driving force of their of the music, why that didn't happen, and the effect that it had on his family. Bo Bridges plays his dad, and he has this amazing scene with him that just uh, just moved me to tears uh, when I saw it, and then I. Uh, He's got this relationship with his brother that's very complicated, but he's also his brother is like, I don't understand why you're upset. You're my brother. I would give you anything. You know, I don't I don't care if it didn't work out. And it's just so beautiful. Like he didn't he was he's holding on to all this guilt about their relationship and having harmed the entire family. And then, you know, it's just because they didn't really want to communicate well. (laughs) It's just beautiful the way that it's very human way to tell a story and they do that beautifully in this movie when is it available to actually see it is currently uh in in limited release theatrical uh probably going to be streaming within the month i would guess uh my best guess right now they've not made a full announcement on when they're going to streaming but probably in the next month or so it's it's strange you know the release patterns these days are so uh, are so unusual, you know. For, during the pandemic, we had simultaneous releases, and now they, now they're going back to the theatrical window, but they're still doing limited theatrical release. And of course, the actors are currently not able to promote the movies, so it, it makes it difficult to know exactly when they want to do a release right now because they'll also want to be able to publicize it, and they can't really do that right now. Well, and the consistency is different for every movie. Like yeah. Air was streaming almost like immediately after it came out, and I don't know, it's just it's frustrating. This sounds right up my alley. Uh, I I think so. Uh, Jeff, do you have any thoughts, or do you want to move on to the next one? We can move on to the next next one. 
What Comes Around. What Comes Around is directed by Robert Redford's daughter, Amy Redford, and it tells a very uh, unique story uh, about the fallout from a, from a pair of inappropriate relationships. A teenage girl uh, meets a guy online in a poetry forum. Uh, the guy is played by Kyle Gallner. And uh, they begin this flirtation that leads to him showing up at her house uh, on her 17th birthday. Again, it's super creepy and, and wrong. And she doesn't necessarily want him there, but then she kind of does. But what she doesn't know is that this guy is actually connected to her mother, played by Summer Phoenix, the sister of uh, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, and also the, the mother of uh, Casey Affleck's son. Oddly enough, they were together years ago. He's also in the movie. Uh, <laughs> lots of lots of uh, nepo babies all over this one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's it's Kyle Gallner is such a great actor. This guy acts with his entire body. He he acts from his very soul, uh, and it can sometimes seems like it can sometimes seem like it's the most acting versus the best acting. But here it's very much the best of his his work. He's so. He's so convincing in this performance and the complexity of this story, him having seemingly manipulated this teenage girl to get to her mother, who he had a relationship previously. But what kind of relationship is something that's kind of up in the air? And you're going to learn that uh, throughout the movie, exactly what was the nature of their relationship, just how inappropriate was it? And is he has he intentionally targeted this girl? Probably, but. Is there something more to it? There's a lot of complicated stuff going on, and I, I really appreciated the the way that they leaned in to the complexity of that, and especially into the you know, the conflict in Kyle Gallner's character, which is also related to mental health complications. Uh, it, it's really solid, really well done, and very surprising uh, at times with the, the the way the twists and turns and the complications of the story. Same deal. Be streaming probably in the next month. Probably, I might. That's my guess. Again, a lot depends on on the strike as well. Right. All right. The Meg Two. The Meg Two, uh, starring Jason Statham, is a, a terrible film. Just, just borderline <laughs> unwatchable movie <laughs> of, of uh, gigantic proportion. Um, Basically, the Meg 2 is about a rich guy. He's captured a Meg. He thinks he's trained the Meg, but the Meg is going to escape and follow them. And they're in a submarine. They go down into the trench of the tidal, and they find that somebody's already beaten them there and is mining in there and is endangering the entire world by possibly releasing Megs in the world. Um, I think the main, the main thing that I, I was watching this and... Once they pull out the little subs, I could not help but kind of just like, ooh. <laughs> Bad time. There's, the There's an elephant in the room suddenly. <laughs> very, very rich people inside of a tiny little sub deep underwater. <laughs> they almost get crushed. Whoops. <laughs> you think they tried to rush the release date when all that was going on in real life? <laughs> I think they tried to downplay that aspect in the marketing. <laughs> there are tiny yeah. stuff. Everybody was talking about it. They should have leaned in. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> they should have said, this is how you actually make a sub that goes down that, that low. <laughs> Not 
You don't make it out of an aluminum can. Well, at least in these subs, like they have windows. <laughs> I think yeah. you can see out of these subs, which maybe is probably not very realistic. I don't know what kind of. No, you can. That's the oh, really. The, well, that the ones that James Cameron took down for the. Um, oh, that's true. For the Titanic, those were actual like like this. That's what that's what these are. These are more high tech, like his were. Whereas the guys that you know the rich guys just basically was like a they all fit inside a paint can and used a joystick. Why I, did I they mean, just float? I don't understand. Why did they just float it on top of the water and just tell them, "Hey, we're underwater," and then show them a video of Titanic? <laughs> right? Because they could have done that. The they was actually in the can with them. That's the problem. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that's old news, but still, uh, yeah, that I that was on my mind uh, to the point where, like, I put a disclaimer in my review about it because it was just it was at the forefront of my mind as I watched those little subs going. Um, and one guy does have a sub that's kind of like that. One of the villains has a sub that's kind of reminiscent of the of the famous one. Uh, the sharks are big. There's three of them this time, and Jason Statham fights them with sticks. And that should be a lot more fun than it is. But somehow, somebody thought that it would be a great idea to make this movie two hours long, and whoever thought that was a good idea needs to be smacked around. Like, what are you thinking? This is a mo- this is a very dumb concept that needs to be done very quickly. <laughs> you don't have the cachet of a Fast and Furious movie that can maintain and sustain stupidity for two solid hours. You'd, you've got to make this move. I've yeah. heard people are loving this, but Jeff, what did you think? Um, well, what Sean just said was was a perfect encapsulation of how I feel. Uh, the first 45 minutes of this movie, I was fucking bored. I was trying to figure out who the people were and when did I didn't remember? I just watched the Meg, and I didn't remember if the mom died in that one or if she died off screen because they couldn't get her back for this one. I honestly didn't had no idea. Um, the first forty five minutes of the movie, I was like, well, "This sucks." Where they're trudging underwater through, you know, and I'm like, "Come on!" Once they got back, once they started going back up. It was fun. It was just dumb, stupid, fun. I didn't have to think about it. Although I did think about where did the fucking octopus come from? Because maybe I missed it, but I don't think I missed them. Like, sh- like realizing there was an octopus and nobody kind of called it out like, oh, shit, there's an octopus. <laughs> it was just, oh, there's the three mags. We got our three mags. And then. Well, the octopus like over, uh, you know, fuck my drag. What, you know, what's that? That was the part where I was like, wait a minute. I, I know they saw baby octopuses, octopi, but they never said, oh, does this mean there's a big one? Nope. We just saw we just saw tentacles every once in a while. And then suddenly the 14 year old daughter is, you know, now she's 14. Um you know, now that now she's in danger because of this octopus. I was so confused. So, there. I didn't understand if she actually was his daughter. Because <laughs> the time she'll call him Jonas, but they have a relationship yeah. that's like a father and daughter. So I, and I have no memory of the Meg whatsoever. Like that movie. Just, <laughs> like 
I, I barely I had to read my own review to remember this one. So I mean you can only imagine how I I it's so, really impossible for me to recall the Meg, but <laughs> I don't know what she that was. <laughs> she was the little I don't think it's his daughter. I think it was just the daughter of the woman who was in charge of everything in the last movie, but I don't remember if she died in the movie or if she died off screen because they couldn't get her back. Mm-hmm. I know that he's it sounded like he's raising her mm-hmm. along with everybody else on this underwater yeah. station. Um, were, were but, those two, were the two assistants, were Cliff Curtis's two assistants in the Meg? Were they in the first? Yes. Film? Yes. Okay. So what, so um, what was the surprise when the one lady pulled a heel turn? No, I think she was the, I, I, I think, and I haven't looked, I, Usually I look up stuff on IMDb after I watch it just to kind of solidify. (laughs) But it's filled with Columbo right now. Um, And I I was like, okay, well, I think the blonde one who, you know, was was the bad guy this time, I think she was the one who was trapped underneath with the guy from Heroes. Okay. Um, Yeah. I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think she was the one who was like in the beginning was trapped underneath when one of the subs went bad, and then um, the one dude was definitely in there. He got he got a bigger part this time, but he was definitely one of the assistants. Mm, okay. <laughs> of course, they had to make the black guys can't swim joke but then of course he learned to swim off screen and now yeah, now oh, yeah, yeah. action here i was like fuck this movie so much he so, was the he was honestly the best part of the movie he is because he's doing a lot of shtick but uh, uh, the whole thing is so is so entirely tiresome they they established the 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 stupid octopus i guess is one of the many things that are hidden you know, down where the megs are uh they did have it because they had it kill one of the one of the people who went down there. One of the members of their team was killed by the giant octopus. And honestly, I think the octopus killed more people in this movie than the sharks did. Yeah. <laughs> if you take because it takes down an entire boat full of people at one point, and then it killed one of their team members, and then it killed a couple more people on the beach. So I think I think the octopus's kill count is actually higher than the sharks. Yeah. <laughs> Which this isn't yeah. called octopus for fuck's sake, right? <laughs> I I think that one of the things that I wish that we had is a couple, you know, a little better view of the uh, of the sharks because I think they the, the one with the big scar down his face looked, you know, pretty cool, <laughs> but we didn't get enough of them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so, a shame. I read today that. The fans of the Meg Two are enjoying it even more as the Rotten Tomatoes rating goes lower. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, but it sounds like—I mean, I know people like stupid movies, and I, I know that they know they're making a dumb movie. Uh, but why would you put forty-five minutes of fat on this movie? That seems like a yeah. bad decision. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, the number of times that they nearly killed the girl, the little girl, like. <laughs> you could cut two of those. You could take two of those mm-hmm. out where she's nearly dead. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple of those. There's a lot of lot of bullshit that they could cut out of this movie. All anybody wanted to see was Jason Statham punch a shark. 
That's all we wanted to see. And we do get that, but like, it's all we want. Why are you wasting our time with bullshit? <laughs> just yeah. don't waste your time with bullshit. I just get to Jason Statham punching sharks. That's what we want. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I, I I liked the first one because it was you know, but I, one of the things I liked about this one, I will say, is they actually killed people. Yeah, <laughs> you know. These sharks actually ate a bunch of people. And so did the, you know, like the, the, like all the creatures actually, there were actual stakes for characters this time. So there are a couple, there were some main character powers going on. Like Jason Statham oh, was never oh, going yeah. to die. Oh, no, absolutely. The, the, I'm know, talking the, about like, there was a lot of main character powers going on. The little girl was never really in any danger. No, I'm talking about like how in the last one, you know, there's that little dog who was in this one too. You know, there were all these people in the, in the ocean and last time, not a single person that I remember died. Mm -hmm. But in this one, the sharks ate a lot of people. (laughs) Did anybody from the first movie die? Uh, I yeah. Think so, yeah, it's got more than Jurassic World but, or whatever only, it has going for it. But only after the heel turn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they killed members yeah. of their team, but I I don't remember if any of those people were in the first movie or not. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember the first movie at all. I remember it being watchable and fun, but that's about it. All right. It's- Go ahead. I think Ray Wilson's character died in the first one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He did. And then the 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 older Japanese guy died. Um, they killed. Yeah, they killed a couple of the people within the fir- the the team members who weren't from the first one, but were were set were set up to be like the first one. Um, they died right away. So. Yeah. I Within say, the first half hour. One thing I did like was one of the characters died a truly horrific death uh, Ooh, at the yeah. bottom of the ocean where their mask explodes on their on their suit. Implodes. That, that, that's it. That's a good one. That one that yeah. one was impressive. But uh, the rest it, of them. Crashed. I don't think they wanted to call that out, considering the fact that you know that's basically what happened to all those people a few a couple months ago. Oops. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you literally just see her, the, her, the, her glass mask just implode yeah. under the pressure. So, anything else on the Meg yeah. Two before we move on? I would say when don't wait co- time, but yeah, when it comes to streaming, fast forward through the first forty-five minutes, and then it's stupid, dumb fun. Do we miss not the good. mask if you do that? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So stop for that. We need to get a time code on that so we know where to stop. <laughs> All right. Our classic this week is Jaws 2. Jaws 2. Any movie did not need a fucking sequel. It's fucking Jaws. Like, there should never have been another Jaws. That should be a one movie thing. And if you're, or if you're going to make the sequel, make the sequel that Spielberg wanted to make, where he was talking about doing 
the USS Indianapolis story because he had a great idea for that. Uh, and going back in time for Quint's story of, both of those sharks. And I, I can imagine Steven Spielberg doing that story and doing it incredibly well, considering what he did with Jaws and certainly probably would be way better than whatever Nicolas Cage did with it years later. Um, <coughs> there's a Nicolas Cage USS Indianapolis movie. <laughs> it's unwatchable. Um, the the sequel that they made is is incredibly is incredibly dumb. It's incredibly dim witted. It's shrill. It is uh, just you can just tell that all all about all the problems we're having. They were having. They hired one director. They fired him very quickly. Uh, the director that they got, Ian Roy Scheider, hated each other. They to the point where they physically fought on set. Uh, Roy Scheider is basically on record saying, I made this movie because I wanted to get out of this contract. <laughs> I wanted to leave mm-hmm. this contract. They made me be in this movie to get out of it. And you can just sense that because the story is so dumb. Uh, and we've got the mayor from the first movie back, which how does that guy get reelected? Is he, is he Trump? What is that about? <laughs> How does that fucker get reelected after what he did in the first movie? I'm supposed to buy that he's still respected in this movie. Um, Sean, you know how uh, small town politics are. <laughs> you know this from like your father and your grandfather. <laughs> Anybody can get elected mayor. <laughs> that that's a shot at my brother. Uh, no. No, oh no, I didn't. I forgot about that. <laughs> my brother's the mayor of a small town. Um, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. I take shots all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, but he's he's back in this movie, making the same mistakes that he always does. And yeah, you know, the they of course have to explain that you know we couldn't afford Richard Dreyfus, or <laughs> or he just refused to return. So they they mentioned Hooper that he's not going to be there. Um, the I have to reference the orca, so they've open on that with some divers down there taking pictures of the wreckage underneath the ocean and getting eaten by the shark that is, I don't know, probably related to the original shark. (laughs) He's back for revenge. That doesn't come up until Jaws Revenge. Revenge. Because sharks do that. Or no, they don't. They don't. They really don't. (laughs) This movie is so dumb. First of all, like, there's just so many. I turned this off after about 45 minutes because I just couldn't endure it any further. Um, because I just hated it that much. Uh, Roy Scheider, they're basically like Roy Scheider is up in a tower and he's watching the ocean looking for sharks. Which, considering that this is a town that suffered a pretty severe shark attack, I don't know how many years before this movie, that would seem to be something that we would require, not something that they would look at and go, "Get him down from there! What is he doing?" <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, your insurance company wouldn't make you have someone up there doing that after what happened. You wouldn't still have a town without having somebody who was actually up there looking for sharks. And just, just did these people get like men in black mind raid where they like just don't remember that there was a shark in this area a couple of years ago that destroyed several of their pe- fellow Amity villains? Like, come on, man. <laughs> This is the dumbest group of people on the planet. I was rooting for the fucking shark the whole time. All 45 minutes. I hated those stupid teenagers. They were so dull. 
any time we had to sit there and listen to them talk about, I want to date her. Well, I want to date her. Well, I don't think she'll date me. Will she date me? I don't know. Fuck, fuck right off. Fuck right off. I don't care. <laughs> go eat, go get eaten by a shark. Uh, tiresome. Yeah, I turned it off. In fairness, Sean wanted to do Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and we wouldn't let him. So that I don't know if that added to his hatred or not. Uh, but he's right with everything he's saying. Uh, I mean, I thought the original Jaws, you have moments of like someone making a bad decision, but you can imagine an idiot like that making that decision one time. But yeah. in this movie, it's just like you really have to accept every bad decision to even consider this watchable. Uh, this is definitely one of those studio movies where you have a bunch of idiots sitting around a table, you know, kind of like the Ghostbusters, or the, uh, not Ghostbusters, Gremlins 2 thing. Uh, not quite that absurd, but it, it's, there's, they're just throwing shit out there and regurgitating what they did with Jaws and hoping it's as good, and it's really not that fun. There's really nothing, not enough people die in it. Uh, I don't know. Jeff, am I off? <laughs> no. Okay, so I don't hate this the way Sean does, but I never hate anything the way Sean does. Uh, <laughs> I'm an easy lay when it comes to shark movies and horror movies in general. But So this movie is terrible. However, it has three things going for it. One, it has Joseph Mascolo, who plays one of the investors, who was Stefano on Days of Our Lives. <laughs> it has Donna Wilkes, who was one of, she was in, remember the movie Angel in the 80s, where she was a prostitute at night, and she was a, I'm sorry, a sex worker at night, but she was a high schooler in the during the day. Yes, I do. Uh, and she was on Hello, Larry, which is a sitcom everybody forgot about, but I still remember. Uh, I like her, so that was fine. Uh, and it has the best tagline of almost any movie ever. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Other than that. Oh, and it has one of the absolute fucking worst slash best deaths in a horror movie of all time. Where the lady is trying. She's in the boat and she has the shark has killed her friend and she's going to hit the thing with the gas tank as it's mm. trying to eat her boat. And instead, she just ends up pouring wa- gas so all over her and then explodes. So I, I, it is the best worst movie death ever, I think. Because it's like, wait a minute, you are going to hit him over the head with this. Wait, what? It's just so bad. You have to see it to believe it. Um, she picks up the gas tank, pours it on herself. Yeah. I don't know what she was trying to do, but it, she she's not doing it at all very well because she ends. She just looks as if she's picked up a gas can to pour it upon herself, like that's going to protect her from. Like I've got protective shark juice. <laughs> well, she, she allegedly, the actress said that the direction was: you are going to hit this. You're trying to find anything in the boat to hit this shark with, and you pick it up, not realizing that the, the lid is off. Which is like, I mean, come on. But she keeps pouring it on herself <laughs> instead of being like, oh, shit, this is open and closing it and then hitting the shark with it. No, she's 
holding it above her head and she like keeps shaking it. Well, let's not forget that I, it's I, a heavy thing. So she's going to, I mean, <laughs> logistically, even getting to it over her head doesn't make any sense. But, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, so dumb. So incredibly dumb. <laughs> and the worst part is like my son's one who wanted to watch it. He didn't last. So he was like me. He walked out. He just caught himself. He just ended up got his phone out and started doing something else. Next, next thing you know, he's not in the room. I'm like, hey, where the hell did he go? And <laughs> but I didn't notice it either because I was on my phone a lot of the time. Because it definitely isn't. It's not fun bad enough either. It's they were trying a little too hard. I mean, it's a studio movie. It's there's no passion behind it. It's just simply a money making tool. And they weren't going out of their way to make a bad movie on purpose. So, I, I mean, I don't know. It just didn't work. No, there's just not. Like I said, the, 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 the second Spielberg said no, they should have just like, okay, we're done. We're walking away. There's nothing to We got nothing to do here. Uh, we don't have the, the main guy who can make this work is not going to be here. We don't have any of the actors aside from one that maybe we can force to come back via contract um, but it, it was just such a bad idea all around to to try and recapture that it was it was i mean we were talking about managing ip and this is all about ip this is oh, this is basically this is written by a group of executives not by anybody who cares about making this movie Oh yeah, yeah, you have they, the conversation all the way wrong too. It's instead of we lost the main guy, like oh good, we don't have to pay the main guy. We don't got to pay <laughs> that guy either. We could do the well, think of the money we're gonna make. That was the conversation I, they had. If you're gonna do a Jaws sequel, it doesn't have to be at Amity Island. You know, it could be literally anywhere. Which is the what they showed in three. But I, you know, if he didn't, if Spielberg didn't want to do it, and Roy Scheider didn't want to do it either don't do it or just say, you know what? You're right. Let's do, we'll do something different with it. Yeah. That USS Indianapolis idea was a good idea. Spielberg had a good idea to do yes. it. And they chose to say no to that because they wanted it to look like the first Jaws. They wanted to just. Uh. And I would still watch that movie. I think he, he actually should make that movie. Instead of the shit he's making now. I, no I would idea. watch that a hundred times versus the Fablemans, <laughs> which I'm sure is fine, but it's just, but I agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really hated this. I really hated just having just seeing the way that Roy Scheider's character gets treated. I feel like that's how he was treated on set as well. It's like, what are you doing here? Why are you even here? <laughs> He's like, they're making me be here. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are idiots. I'm the only one who understands what's happening. <laughs> so many stupid scenes in this movie. The the they set up this plot about a guy about one of the town leaders who maybe wants to sleep with Brody's wife, I guess, but that doesn't go anywhere. Um you got you got Keith Gordon showing up for no good reason. He's he's terrible in this. Uh like oh, just all the bad ideas just poured into one. Uh, the the shark deaths aren't even very good. 
Um, honestly, I didn't. I didn't really care at all. I maybe I probably missed most of the best ones. I guess there must be after the forty-five minute period. I don't know. I turned it off. <laughs> the ending scene was very like nobody really died there. I was kind of shocked at. You could have killed one of them at least, made it a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, one of his kids should have died. But the stupid as they were. <laughs> well, they went back for that in three, though, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> or four, whichever it was. Or one of the. Three is the, the one that takes place in. Bad movies of all time. I've never, seen the, I've never seen The Revenge. Oh, it's so terrible! <laughs> it's so it's so awful. <laughs> Michael Caine, like, just like I'm I'm buying a new house, so let <laughs> me in this stupid movie. <laughs> and and Lorraine Gray having to like act as if this this is the shark followed us. It followed us from Amity all the way to Jamaica. How did this it time do it's that? Personal, so they could say this time it's personal. Followed us. <laughs> Because the shark knows who you are. It's going after your family. It's out for revenge. <laughs> fucking so fucking uh, stupid. But that uh, at least sounds like they knew they were doing something stupid. I'm hoping. I've never seen it. Yeah. I can't imagine they thought that was a <laughs> high quality horror film. I don't think Michael Caine learned a single line for that movie. <laughs> <He> just, <laughs> They're like, Michael, here's the script. Yeah, whatever. Just I'm going to fly the plane and I'm going to make out with Lorraine and I'm going to go home and, if, you know, if I have to, somebody else is going to swim. You know, get find somebody who will swim. I'm just I'll I'll be there. <laughs> OK, Mr. Kane. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In 1993, we have the fugitive meteor man. My boyfriend's back. That night and the wedding banquet. You get which one did you do? I'm assuming the fugitive. Fugitive, yes. Uh, getting to show the fugitive to uh, MJ and forcing Amy to watch it for the first time because she doesn't like action movies, and she spent the whole time just drooling over Harrison Ford. <laughs> that's a that's a fetish she didn't know she had, which is uh, was fun. Um, <laughs> facial hair for Harrison Ford is now a, a thing for Amy, so that's good. Uh, we, do uh, we, uh, Paul Rudd? <laughs> it's right there next to him. Oh. If Paul Rudd grows a beard, she's going to lose her mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had a great time, and and uh, it's one of the best movies of 1993. And there's an amazing story behind it. This guy on Twitter called uh, I think it's AR Movies uh, put together a thread uh, based on interviews that have been done with the with the people who made The Fugitive. And this thread is wild. They didn't have a script done. They didn't. They had to. They got to the. They got to the set every day and basically. All right. Well, here's the motivation. You guys just kind of riff something and see what comes up. And it turned out to be the best idea because, like, Tommy Lee Jones had just had it. He was just. He was just scatting out there, and it made him. It made his relationship with his fellow cops that he's with like seem real and organic. Because they're talking, because they're coming up with a conversation as they go in character, like they, and it makes their dynamic feel real. Uh, the interrogation scene uh, early on with Richard Kimball being interrogated by the Chicago cops, he had no idea what they were going to ask him, so he was reacting to their questions as Richard Kimball would. 
and having to come up with the answers off the top of his head. And again, it made it feel more organic in the moment, exciting. And even the, the St. Patrick's Day chase where he ducks into the parade, they had permission to shoot the parade. Obviously, everybody in the parade scenes knew that the, that the camera crew was there making a movie. But Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford, they, they didn't know where the other one was going. Tommy Lee Jones had to find Ford and narrow, just missed finding him. <laughs> and Ford, he finds a hat in the trash and puts it on and makes that the scene. Uh, it's just that, and normally that would be the just, everybody in the movie, they talk about, have, they thought they were making a train wreck. Like, they thought they were making a terrible, terrible movie. And it turned out to be absolutely the the best possible way to make this particular film. I wouldn't recommend it for any other film to try this, but this one, it was kind of the right move. I need to go back and watch it. I hated it as a kid, but I, I never really stuck in the room. My dad and my brother loved it. Usually when they love something, I was bored, so I would leave. So I need to give this another shot. With all Definitely. It, it is so good. Harrison Ford is tremendous. This is one of the best performances of, of his career. Uh, it's got a great, you know, great driving premise of a guy trying to, you know, find somebody who, you know, most people don't believe exists. This one-armed man who who murdered his wife, and he's very, you know, the the detective aspect of it is very is very smart uh, on the way they do it. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of really smart choices, and it feels, you know, like I said, in the moment. Jeff, you a fan of The Fugitive? I haven't seen it in 30 years, but yes, I fully enjoyed it. Um, made me a fan of Tommy Lee Jones, who I didn't really know at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I've liked everything that he's done since. Well, almost everything. But yeah, I, you know, always a fan of Harrison Ford running around from uh, away from somebody and. Yeah, I would. I, I was gonna watch it again for the show, but I just I've been so busy the last week that literally falling into bed and turning on Columbo and falling asleep to it is <laughs> all I've done, other than seeing Meg too. I understand that. All right, uh, next week we got a pretty light week. The last voyage of is it Demeter, and then a movie called Jewels, maybe. Uh, but with William Friedkin passing away today, uh, we're going to look at his career, uh, the Sorcerer Cruising. We also do in the French Connection Exorcist as well. Is that Did I read that right? It's kind of yeah. talking about his, his career. And you can find right now on my on my Twitter feed, and I still call it Twitter, I don't care, uh, at, at Podcast Sean, I've got a review up of my favorite Friedkin movie, which is certainly not anybody else's favorite freaking movie the hunted with uh, tommy lee jones and benicio del toro if you've not seen the hunted it is absolutely worth checking out it is really really great and it has the best knife fight scene in movie history all right next week yeah. in 1993 searching for robbie fisher heart and souls the secret garden and most importantly jason goes to hell <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. I'm a huge Friday the 13th fan, and I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
let's do a little bit of flick chart where we have been on for a while and we started the show with a meeting so for those listening wondering it hasn't been that long i know <laughs> but uh anyway you just want to play straight up flick chart or do you want to run anything through yeah like, there's no point in running jaws 2 through so let's <laughs> just do straight up <laughs> lord of the rings the two towers cellular lord of the rings yeah, okay yeah i don't remember cellular so i'll go lord of the rings wasn't very good yeah, for you, I listened to like, a how did they how did this get made about cellular? Well, for Sean to pick Lord of the Rings, it must not be very check good. My, uh, <laughs> check out my archive blog and see if I like cellular or not. There's a review there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the Mist. The Harry mist. Potter, the Mist. The Mist. Everybody hates that ending, but my I god, love it's that so ending. good. It is the best ending. <clears throat> I have the balls to go that go there with that was pretty yeah especially exactly. at that time they had, oh yeah a river runs through it the time machine do I prefer uh, a nap or do I prefer being just bored um, I think I'll take a nap during a, a river runs through it I have no I have not seen the time machine so I have no skin in the game I'll go with Sean because I don't know either. Fargo, Star Trek Five, The Final Frontier. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think it's Fargo. <laughs> Fear Street Part One, nineteen ninety four, The Lorax. I did not see the Fear Street movie. I did not. Either. I would pick that was that was actually really good. All right, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Dante's Peak or The Mexican. Um, let's see. Um, I don't know. Uh, the Mexican, I guess. Uh, I do like, there's one thing I like about Dante's Peak, and that is they drive on lava, which never fails to make me laugh. <laughs> 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 the, I, that, didn't that come out like exactly the same time as Volcano? It did, yes. And I don't remember which one I saw. <laughs> Wait, volcano was volcano. Did volcano have Anne Hache in it? Anne Hache and Tommy Lee Jones. Okay, that's the one I saw. I think I've told the story before of seeing, seeing the trailer for that and like being super impressed by it as an action movie. And then they get to the ta- they get to the tagline and they say the coast is toast. And I just rolled my eyes so fucking hard it hurt. <laughs> I saw that at the drive-in and I didn't understand. I. I, other stuff was happening at the drive-in that night, and I missed a few minutes of it, and then I didn't understand anything that was going on. <laughs> they didn't actually get to drive across lava because, if I remember correctly, the lava like engulfed their car. So, <laughs> um, I'll pick the Mexican because it has Julia Roberts. Yeah, and and James Gandolfini's really good. In oh yeah, 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 yeah. I do like I do like him in that. Right, perfect. Jackass 3D. Get Shorty. Two really terrific movies. Um, get shorty. I'm going to pick Jackass because I love the Jackass movies. It's one of the weird things about me that people don't understand, but I they're naked. They're naked a lot. I'm with you too. I'm going to go get shorty. I need to end this because my daughter's calling and she just got a license today and she's out driving around. So I <laughs> all right. Uh-oh. Have a good Bye, show. Bob. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>